You're listening to The Lunar Body, a podcast for feminist menstruators who want to manage their health naturally and supernaturally through nutrition, herbalism, and intuitive expansion using science and the moon as your guides. Hello and welcome to The Lunar Body. I'm your host, Kristen Ciccolini, period priestess, nutritionist, and the founder of Good Witch Kitchen. How are you guys? It's been a while, I know. The reason, as Yasi Salik, gorgeous host of my favorite podcast, Bands Plane, would say, it's between me and God, babe. But I've been hard at work on this episode, and it's the last one of season three, and that means you have one last week to take advantage of the podcast-exclusive code for my Cycle Magic Cycle Syncing course. You can use the code LUNARLOVE for $100 off the course today through April 5th. If you don't know about the course just yet, it's one of my offerings that supports my ability to create this lovely podcast for you. I designed it for people who feel like misfits in the world of wellness, whose PMS and period problems are routinely dismissed, who are prescribed birth control as a solution, who are sick of recycled advice online that never felt right to follow, and people who are seeking guidance from a source who considers your humanity and for those who live in the liminal space between the practical and the mystical. So if you like this podcast, it's right up your alley. The course is 100% online, and it's located in Notion, and it's designed to be self-study programs so you get all the content at once to go at your own pace, and it moves through three areas. So you start with Lunar Body Basics, you learn the fundamentals of nutrition for happy hormones, how your menstrual cycle works, what the moon has to do with it, and how to reduce your symptoms of PMS. Then we move into intuitive expansion, so you dive into the patriarchal, societal structures that keep you from connecting with your body, and learn how to develop your intuitive superpowers and apply them to food and movement. And then the last piece is deciphering your body signals and starting to create the masterpiece that is your cyclically guided life. There's also a robust resource library for you to comb through if you feel called to go deeper including lunar self-care and phase-specific recipes. The course teaches you how to understand your body from a feminist perspective instead of the patriarchal version that you likely got in your health class. So for more on that, you can visit goodwitchkitchen.net slash cyclemagic. Use the code LUNARLOVE at checkout to get $100 off through April 5th. And yes, the teachings can still apply to those who are going through what we'll talk about today. And if you have questions about it, you're always welcome to reach out. So what are we talking about today? Most of my content is geared towards people in their menstrual years who are in their 20s and their 30s, still figuring out how their body works to be more connected to their bodies, to manage symptoms of hormone imbalance, to prepare their body for a healthy pregnancy, and other reasons you'd want to get to know your cycle and your period. Today's episode is for my older audience, those of you in your late 30s, 40s, even early 50s, because that's when perimenopause can get started. And it's super important to know how your cycle works. It's also equally as important to know what to expect when the time comes for things to naturally change and evolve when the next chapter of your life is approaching. If you're in your 20s, bookmark this one for later. If you're in your 30s, it might seem like this time is far off, but perimenopause can actually begin as early as your late 30s. 
In today's episode, we're going to talk about perimenopause, what that actually means, the difference between perimenopause and regular old menopause. We'll talk about when it happens, the symptoms, the health considerations, and some actions you can take and resources to check out moving forward. Can't forget the disclaimer, this information is for educational purposes only, it is not medical advice, and it is your responsibility to speak to a qualified healthcare provider about your unique needs. The final decision when considering any diet or lifestyle change, whether it's discussed on the internet, in a podcast, or prescribed by your doctor, is always your own. Okay, so let's get some definitions down. Perimenopause is actually what you've been taught is menopause. So when you think of menopause, what do you think of? You think of hot flashes, mood swings, low libido, all the symptoms that, similar to your period, you've been taught to dread. Perimenopause is the actual transition phase from your menstrual years to your non-menstrual years. The prefix peri means near, so near menopause. You still have your period through it, and it may be irregular. And menopause is actually a one-day event. It's the one-year mark from your last period, and that's how you officially know that you've reached menopause, when you don't have your period for a full year. The transitional phase leading up to it is perimenopause, then menopause is the anniversary of your last period, one day, and then everything after that is postmenopause. The symptoms of perimenopause are wide-ranging. There are over 30 of them, including those hot flashes and mood swings and decreased libido. Other common symptoms include night sweats, irregular periods, breast soreness, vaginal dryness, weight gain, particularly around the middle, brain fog, aches and pains in your muscles and joints, insomnia, hair loss, and a bunch more. And these can start as early as your late 30s, but more likely it'll start between the ages of 40 and 44. How long you're in perimenopause varies as well. It can last a few months or a few years. I read it can even be upwards of like 12 to 15 years. Obviously, that's more likely if you're starting in your late 30s, but menopause itself is most common between 45 and 55, with the average age to reach menopause being 51. So how do you know the process has begun. You know your body better than anyone else, and that's the goal of this podcast. It's to help you get in tune so that when you start to experience changes, it's very clear something's afoot. And generally, it's thought that perimenopause begins when the length of your cycle has a persistent change of seven days or more in consecutive cycles. That's why tracking is so important. And while that's the accepted marker of perimenopause, you can experience other symptoms too that tell you you're in perimenopause. Again, you know your body best. Is there a way to test for perimenopause? Yes and no. Progesterone dips as you get older, and so estrogen is higher in this phase, but that doesn't automatically mean you're in perimenopause. You also need to take into consideration your menstrual history and your health status too. So there's no single test that can give you a solid yes or no answer. Like you can't test your hormones and have it tell you immediately that you're in perimenopause or not because there's just so many different factors. And just like there are different phases to your cycle and different phases of your reproductive life, there are phases to perimenopause too. So in the early to mid stages, your estrogen remains high because progesterone is the first hormone to lower. So it's high in relation to progesterone. And then just as with your menstrual cycle, if you have healthy balanced hormones and you're in tune with your body and your needs, it's unlikely you'll be experiencing a lot of symptoms, especially in the early phases. Then in late perimenopause, you might still be getting your period. Maybe it comes in much longer stretches of time than it used to. 
And then estrogen is now low as well. So if you're in good hormonal health, this phase can pass without issue. Some people do, in fact, transition into postmenopause without the difficult symptoms, or if they do experience them, they're able to manage them well. We'll talk about how a little bit after I go through what to expect when you're expecting menopause. There are a lot of changes to expect in your body. It's like a whole other puberty, so buckle up, (laughs) except this time you'll have prior knowledge so everything won't be so surprising. So let's first talk about the physical changes. Your anatomy. The vulva, you know and love, is going to get a little bit of a makeover. Your labia will be less plump as you get older. Pubic hair may thin out and go gray. The vaginal opening may become tighter, making sex or tampon use more difficult. And the pubic mound, affectionately known as your fupa, can change shape too because lower abdominal fat can actually migrate downward, which is really fun. Inside, the vaginal lining becomes thinner and less elastic. The walls of your vagina can become dry and more susceptible to irritation, tears, and infection. On top of this, your vagina becomes less acidic, and that acidity naturally helps fight off bacteria and even sperm, but the pH changes through the transition, and so does your vagina's microbiome. And there is light at the end of this tunnel, I promise. I just want to share the information so you're informed about the natural changes in life. It does not mean you're going to experience every single one of these things to their absolute worst extent, but the changes are good to be aware of so you don't freak out that something's wrong. Okay, other changes to your anatomy. Your cervix can become weaker, which is a possible contributor to miscarriage at an advanced maternal age, and it produces less cervical fluid. Your uterus gets smaller, and the muscles and tissues that surround it change, too. Ovaries shrink. However, they still continue to produce hormones, and your pelvic floor can lose tone. So your body will change. But again, I'm not sentencing you to difficult symptoms or complications. As a result of these changes, they're just things to be aware of. Now, in terms of how your period changes during perimenopause, it's all over the place. Your flow could be heavier or it could be lighter. Your cycle length could be shorter or it could be longer. (laughs) When you're estrogen dominant, you tend to have heavier periods. And since progesterone decreases in this phase, that's a possibility. Lighter periods can indicate you're further along in your menopause transition because estrogen is low and your uterine lining is thinner, so there's less to shed. Cycle length can vary because of the changing estrogen levels and also because of changes in ovulation. For most of perimenopause, you'll likely ovulate normally, but then you'll notice that your cycles become shorter and then longer and longer, and it takes longer and longer for menstruation to happen. That's because ovulation is delayed. Delayed ovulation means delayed menstruation. Some cycles you might not even ovulate, and that reduction in ovulation frequency is part of the reason that progesterone lowers, because ovulation triggers progesterone production. And ovulation is delayed or not happening because of a shift in the hormones that come before it. So let's back up. If you remember back in the first episode about how the cycle works, your brain tells your pituitary gland to produce follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, and that communicates to the ovaries that it's time to start preparing for an egg. And the follicles, which are located on the ovaries, are where immature eggs are kept until it's time for ovulation. So these follicles start to mature and produce estrogen, which communicates back to your brain that it no longer needs FSH this cycle, and it says, stop producing it, we're good. But when you're in perimenopause, 
this ovarian brain communication gets a little fuzzy. So it's harder for your ovaries to effectively say, hey there, we're good with FSH for now. So your brain is just like, great, here's more. (laughs) Recruiting more follicles than usual. But you only have a finite amount of follicles in your body. So it's sort of using up what's left. And those last few mature more quickly too, which is how you can get shorter cycles in the earlier stages of perimenopause because you ovulate earlier. The follicles mature faster because there's more FSH. So the process is just happening faster. And increased FSH also increases estrogen, which then triggers the release of luteinizing hormone, or LH, and that triggers ovulation. So things can happen faster, and then communication gets further disrupted when your body starts becoming less sensitive to these heightened hormones and then less responsive to them. This can lead to even more inconsistent LH levels, which contributes to the irregularity in menstrual cycles and other symptoms experienced during perimenopause. So that's how your cycle changes as you go through the change. That's why it can seem to be all over the place. You might also experience PMS symptoms that you haven't had before, or they get worse, like cramping or breast tenderness, and then compound that with perimenopause symptoms like hot flashes, mood changes, pelvic floor dysfunction, and all that fun stuff. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about perimenopause symptoms. So the hot flashes, the hot flashes, the stereotypical symptom when you suddenly feel like you're roasting in a heat wave, even when everyone else is totally comfortable. I feel like I have the opposite problem right now where I'm always freezing, but the grass isn't always greener. So what's happening here? As your ovaries start producing less estrogen, like we just discussed, this can cause your internal thermostat to go haywire. Your brain's hypothalamus, which is like the control center for your body's temperature, it gets a bit confused by these hormonal changes. It starts thinking that you're too hot, even when you're not, and tries to cool you down by triggering a hot flash. So suddenly your blood vessels near the skin surface expand and causes that flushed feeling and makes you break out in a sweat. And this can last a few minutes or up to an hour. And their frequency is all individual too. Some people won't experience them at all. Some will get them every day. While hot flashes might seem random, they can be triggered by certain things like spicy foods, hot drinks, alcohol, caffeine, even stress. And people with anxiety are actually more prone to hot flashes in frequency and severity, which is why it's so important to get stress under control and your nervous system regulated. And as annoying as they are, hot flashes usually simmer down once you've reached menopause and your hormone levels stabilize a bit. Mood swings are another very common issue with ups and downs that seem to come out of nowhere thanks to all the hormone wackiness. Estrogen in particular has a cozy relationship with some neurotransmitters in your brain like serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. These neurotransmitters play a big role in regulating your mood. When estrogen levels go up and down, the neurotransmitters join this dance, which can lead to changes in your mood, making you feel happy one moment and sad or irritable the next. Plus, with less progesterone in the mix, you're more prone to mood changes since it is a calming and relaxing hormone. And progesterone is also a precursor to other hormones that can dictate mood changes and low levels are associated with anxiety and depression in this phase of life. On top of this, the other symptoms you might be experiencing can cause sleep disturbances, which I'm sure you know can take a hit on your mood too. If you remember my conversation with Kate Van Dam earlier in this season, we talked a little bit about how your pelvic floor changes throughout your life. And she mentioned that you can experience dysfunction in perimenopause. 
Your pelvic floor muscles are like a cradle that supports your bladder, uterus, and rectum. They play a key role in maintaining urinary and bowel control as well as sexual function. And during perimenopause, the hormonal changes can impact your pelvic floor. Estrogen is mostly released by the ovaries, although your adrenal glands release it too. And it helps keep your pelvic floor muscles strong and flexible. High levels of estrogen cause ligament laxity, which is why you're actually prone to more sports injuries when you're ovulating because estrogen's at its peak. Fun fact. Your ligaments are more relaxed, caused by a hormone literally called relaxin that comes after the estrogen peak. And this is to help prepare your body and your pelvic floor for pregnancy. But as estrogen levels dip, your pelvic floor muscles might lose some of that strength and elasticity, and this can lead to dysfunction, causing a range of issues like urinary incontinence, pelvic pain, difficulty emptying the bladder, constipation, painful sex, painful menstruation or ovulation, or even pelvic organ prolapse, which is when one or more of the pelvic organs start to sag. But hormones aren't the only culprits behind pelvic floor dysfunction. Other factors can weaken the pelvic floor muscles over time too, such as pregnancy, childbirth, aging, um, even chronic constipation or coughing. And I just want to say I'm not sharing all the remedies for these things because one, this is a hugely complex topic and there are massive conversations we can have about hormone therapy and other things you can do. But I know the majority of you are still in your menstrual years, and I want to look at this as prevention. So understanding what could potentially occur in the future, but also highlighting the importance of cycle syncing that you're doing now, getting the basics in order like you're doing now, so that you can have an easier time going through perimenopause. Remember, always go back to the basics first. But one thing I can say for everyone is that stress is going to be really important to manage always, but also during perimenopause and afterwards. If you caught what I just said, your adrenal glands produce estrogen. As your ovaries make less estrogen, your adrenal glands are going to produce more to help you compensate. So your adrenal glands are going to be pretty busy. They're taking on a bigger role in in menopause. So you don't want to tax your system even further by being chronically stressed. So finding ways to regulate your nervous system is high priority. This is another reason why that's so important. All right, moving on to a touchier topic is body composition, which is what your weight is made up of. So body fat, muscle mass, and so on. It is 100% natural and normal for your body to change as you get older. You're probably already noticing it with shifts in where you tend to hold your weight or where it's easier to build muscle. Women tend to gain body fat around the abdominal area once estrogen declines, and this has a domino effect on your body composition. With lower estrogen levels, your body's fat distribution can change, and it can go from your hips and your thighs to your abdomen. And what we need to be aware of is the level of visceral fat, which is a type of fat that's stored deep inside the belly and wrapped around your internal organs. And we need some fat to cushion and protect our organs, some is fine, but too much visceral fat can be dangerous because it can lead to insulin resistance, chronic inflammation, high blood pressure, heart disease, and other health issues. It's bad news. You can also be more susceptible to muscle loss as you get older. It's something that can happen naturally as you age. So building muscle is going to be really important as you get older, more so as estrogen declines. Not just going to yoga and Pilates, but actually lifting heavier weights and not the little baby ones that come with your Peloton, but a little bit heavier. And this also reduces the dangerous visceral fat. It keeps your bones strong, which is another potential change from decreased estrogen because estrogen keeps your bones strong and healthy and maintains their density. 
So moving your body and focusing on muscle is really important in perimenopause. You also need enough protein to fuel the muscle growth and tissue strength. Among the many benefits of protein, it's recommended by experts to get at least 30 grams of protein with each meal to protect your muscles. Plus, it helps keep you full. If you're starving an hour after you eat lunch, take a look at how much protein you're having or that balance of protein, fat, and fiber in there. See what could be missing. Protein also supports your detoxification process, which is important for hormone balance. It supports your immune system, blood sugar balance, neurotransmitters, your metabolism, This is a lot harder to do if you're vegan. It can be done, but you're going to have to rely a lot on supplements probably, like a good protein powder and branch chain amino acids. Now, 30 grams is the recommendation because the amount gives you enough amino acids to stimulate what's called muscle protein synthesis, which is the process where your body takes these amino acids from the food you eat and uses them to repair and build new muscle tissue or new muscle proteins. And I mentioned bone density. Your bones can become more frail as you get older. In fact, you lose up to 20% of bone mass after menopause. Yes, because of the estrogen decline, but also progesterone. You have progesterone receptors in your bone tissue. And just like progesterone has a calming effect on your mood and energy, it does that for your bones and joints too. So with less of it, you might feel achy. But there are things you can do for prevention, such as protein, which promotes bone mineral density, also eating your leafy greens and vegetables in general to support hormone detoxification and for fiber that keeps your gut healthy and your digestion strong. You also want your omega-3s and other healthy fats that help your body make hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and cortisol. You want to make sure you have a balanced plate. So like I mentioned, protein, fat, fiber. That helps stabilize your blood sugar. Blood sugar regulation is really important for your overall health, but also your bones because insulin resistance can increase your risk of fractures. So as you get older and as your hormones are changing, prioritizing the health of your muscles and bones is going to be really important. I want to stress again, these are all possibilities, not necessarily what's going to happen to you. Some things will happen, some won't. Some symptoms can be mild, others severe. Some things can exacerbate them. Some things can make it better. It's the same thing that you're currently doing while you have your normal menstrual cycle, right? Some things delay your period. Some things regulate your cycle. Some make your symptoms worse. Some make them better, you know? So cycle syncing practices can really help you through perimenopause and beyond. Plus those basics I always like to talk about making sure you're eating enough, managing your stress, managing your sleep, your joy, your exercise. And when you do start to have irregular periods, when your menstrual cycle is no longer mirroring the lunar cycle, and it's more like once in a blue moon, then you can actually look at the lunar cycle if you want to stick with a rhythm. This is what I usually tell people to do if they have irregular periods, if they're post-menopause, if they are trans women and want to get in touch with their cyclical nature, if you want to stay within a rhythm, follow the lunar cycles. And you can listen to the very first episode where I talk about this. But essentially, the menstrual phase correlates to the new moon phase. The follicular phase correlates to the waxing moon, ovulation with the full moon, and the luteal phase with the waning moon. Beyond that, there is hormone replacement therapy. Again, a gigantic topic I'm not going to talk about here. Acupuncture, herbs. Obviously, before doing any of these things, you'd want to speak to your doctor about your unique health situation and symptoms. And just as with your menstrual cycle, rather than looking at it as a source of stress and dreading it every month, we can look at perimenopause as a time of growth and transformation. 
like I said, it's another puberty of sorts. So you have the opportunity to get to know yourself even better, this new version of yourself that's evolving. And with hormones bouncing around like they're in a pinball machine, your your emotions are going to follow suit, most likely. Emotional ups and downs can be an invitation to reflect on your well-being and develop healthier coping strategies like mindfulness, meditation, or therapy. If you're somehow a millennial who hasn't been in therapy, kudos to you for making it this far. LOL. <laughs> Embracing your spirituality, it can bring you a sense of peace, balance, purpose, especially during this transition. So if, you, if you've if lost touch with your witchy side, maybe look into the practices that once brought you that peace. And I've said in other episodes, a lot of witches have seasons with their practices. It's okay to pick something back up that may have fallen out of your practice. Your tarot cards aren't going to yell at you. And this transition can also spark a period of self-discovery. As you navigate these changes in your body, in your mind, things are going to be so different. And this is a good time to reflect on your life, your values, your priorities. Look at your relationships and career and personal goals. Let go of anything that no longer serves your best interests in the next chapter. You're going to become a stronger, more confident version of yourself. So celebrate this journey and recognize the wisdom that you've gained along the way. For more resources on this, this is really just like an intro to perimenopause. There's so much you can learn about this. And for that, I recommend the book Perimenopause Power by Maisie Hill. There's also the books Menopause Manifesto by Dr. Jen Gunter and See You Later Ovulator (laughs) by Esther Bloom. It's a great title. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on this episode and what questions you have Perimenopause and postmenopause are really big topics, and I know I definitely did not cover everything here, but please feel free to write in with your questions because I think this is such an interesting topic, and I know a lot of my listeners are around my age or a little bit older, so I think it's just good to know because we didn't know these things about our period, and that's what I'm here for, and I want to be here for you in the next chapter of your life too. So questions, comments, feedback, I'd love to hear it. One last thing before I go, before I sign off for the season officially, I want to remind you that I released a guide to coming off the pill. I am constantly asked questions about this. So I put together a digital guide that you can download with steps I recommend for making the smoothest transition off of hormonal birth control, especially if you've been on the pill or IUD for a long time. If you're dealing with difficult cyclical symptoms or experience disruptive period problems, You'll learn how to prepare for quitting birth control pills or the IUD, how to track your natural cycle, what to do about post-pill side effects. I I mention the pill a lot because that's what I'm asked about the most, but it does apply to IUD too. But when I say pill, I mean all hormonal birth control, essentially. So this does also apply to people in perimenopause because if you're still ovulating, even if irregularly, you're still fertile. So you'll want to know what your options are. You can listen to the birth control episode, and then the guide is intended as a complement with a lot more info and an action plan. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for always being so supportive with your reviews, sending me coffees, emails, sharing with your friends. You're all the best. I appreciate you. 
Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Lunar Body. This one woman production is listener supported. And if you'd like to support the show, you can check out the podcast perks in the show notes. Visit my virtual tip jar at goodwitchkitchen.net slash tip. Or you can subscribe and leave a rating or review in iTunes so other lovely lunar feminists like you find my show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time.